0: Are listening to the Mystical City of God in Your Podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can head over to Facebook to the Mystical City of God in Your Podcast group, and there you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights into today's readings with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria teaches how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 252. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 19, Paragraphs 618-623. to 623. 618 Pilate was not conscious of the absurdity of his pretense, that to have washed his hands and to have charged the Jews with the blood of Christ was sufficient to clear him before his conscience and before men. For by this ceremony, so full of hypocrisy and deceit, he tried to satisfy both. It is true that the Jews were the principal actors and more guilty in the condemnation of the innocent God-man, and that they themselves expressly charged themselves with its guilt. But Pilate was not, on that account, free from it, since knowing the innocence of Christ our Lord, he should not have allowed a thief and a robber to be preferred before Christ. Neither should he have chastised, nor pretended to correct him who showed nothing that could be corrected or amended." Luke 23:25 Much less should he have condemned and delivered him over to his mortal enemies whose envy and cruelty was so evident. He is not a just judge who is aware of the truth and justice and places it in the balance with his own human respect and his own personal interest. For such a course drags down the right reason of men who are so cowardly of heart since they do not possess the strength and perfection of mind necessary to a judge. They cannot resist their greed or their human respect. In their blind passions, they forsake justice, in order not to endanger their temporal advantages, as happened to Pilate. 6.19 In the house of Pilate, through the ministry of the holy angels, our queen was placed in such a position that she could hear the disputes of the iniquitous judge with the scribes and priests concerning the innocence of Christ our Savior, and concerning the release of Barabbas in preference to him. All the clamors of these human tigers she heard in silence in admirable meekness, as the living counterpart of her most holy son. Although she preserved the unchanging propriety and modesty of her exterior, all the malicious words of the Jews pierced her sorrowful heart like a two-edged sword. But the voices of her unspoken sorrows resounded in the ears of the Eternal Father, more pleasantly and sweetly than the lamentation of the beautiful Rachel, who, as Jeremiah says, was beweeping her children because they cannot be restored. Jeremiah 31.15 Our most beautiful Rachel, the purest Mary, sought not revenge, but pardon for her enemies who were depriving her of the only begotten of the Father and her only Son. She imitated all the actions of the Most Holy Soul of Christ and accompanied him, in the works of the most exalted holiness and perfection. For neither could her torments hinder her charity, nor her affliction diminish her fervor, nor could the tumult distract her attention, nor the outrageous injuries of the multitudes prevent her interior recollection. Under all circumstances she practiced the most exalted virtues, in the most eminent degree. Instruction which the great mistress of heaven, most blessed Mary, gave me. 6.20 My daughter, In what thou hast written and understood, I see thee astonished to find that Pilate and Herod exhibited less unkindness and cruelty in the death of my divine Son than the priests, high priests, and Pharisees. And thou dwellest much upon the fact that there were secular and Gentile judge, while these were teachers of the law and priests of the people of Israel professing the true faith. In answer to thy thoughts, I will remind thee of a doctrine not new, which thou hast understood on former occasions." But I wish that thou refresh it in thy mind, and remember it for the rest of thy life. Know then, my dearest, that a fall from the highest position is extremely dangerous, and the damage done is either irreparable or very difficult of redress. Lucifer held an eminent position in heaven, as regards both natural gifts and gifts of grace. For in beauty he excelled all the creatures, and by his sin he fell into the deepest abyss of loathsomeness and misery, into a more hardened obstinacy than all his followers. The first parents of the human race, Adam and Eve, were exalted to the highest dignity and raised to exquisite favor as coming forth from the hand of the Almighty. Their fall caused perdition to themselves and to all their posterity, and the faith teaches that what was the cost of their salvation, to restore them and their posterity was the work of infinite mercy. 6.21 Many other souls have reached the heights of perfection and have thence fallen, most unfortunately, arriving in a state in which they almost despaired or found themselves incapable of rising. This sad state in the creature originates from many causes. The first is the dismay and boundless confusion of one who feels that he has fallen from an exalted state of virtue, for he knows that he has not only lost great blessings, but he does not expect to obtain greater ones than those of the past, and those he has lost. Nor does he promise himself more firmness in keeping those he can obtain through renewed efforts than he has shown in those acquired and now lost through his ingratitude. From this dangerous distrust originates lukewarmness, want of fervor and diligence, absence of zeal and devotion, since diffidence extinguishes all these in the soul. Just as the brightliness of ardent hope overcomes many difficulties, strengthens and vivifies weak human creatures to undertake great works. Another obstacle there is, not less formidable, namely the souls accustomed to the blessings of God, either through their office as the priests and religious, or by the exercise of virtues and the abundance of divine favors as spiritual-minded persons, usually aggravate their sins by a certain contempt of these very blessings, and a certain abuse of the divine things. For by the abundance of the divine favors, they fall into a dangerous dullness of mind. They begin to think little of the divine favors and become irreverent. Thus failing to cooperate with God's grace, they hinder its effect. They lose the grace of holy fear of the Lord, which arouses and stimulates the will to obey the divine commandments and to be alert in the avoidance of sin and the pursuit of eternal life in the friendship of God. This is an evident danger for lukewarm priests who frequent the Holy Eucharist and other sacraments without fear and reverence. Also, for the learned and wise and the powerful of this world who so reluctantly correct and amend their lives, they have lost the appreciation and veneration of the remedial helps of the Church, namely the sacraments, preaching, and instruction Thus, these medicines, which, for other sinners, are so salutary and counteract ignorance, weaken those who are the physicians of the spiritual life. 6.22 There are other reasons for this kind of danger which must be referred to the Lord Himself. For the sins of these souls, who, by their state or by their advanced virtues, are more closely bound to their God, are weighed in the balance of God's justice in quite a different way from the sins of those who have been less favored by His mercy. Although the sins of all are more or less essentially the same, yet the circumstances of sin are very different. For the priests and teachers, the powerful and the dignitaries, and those who, on account of their station or by reputation, are supposed to be advanced in a holy life, cause great scandal by their fall or by any sins they commit. There is much more of bold disrespect in their presumption and temerity against God, whom they know better, and to whom they owe much more, but whom they offend with more deliberation and knowledge than the ignorant. Hence, as is evident from the tenor of all Holy Scripture, the sins of Catholics, and especially of those that are interested and enlightened, are so displeasing to God. As the term of each man's life is preordained for each one as the time in which he is to gain the eternal reward, So is the measure or number of sins to be borne by the patience or forbearance of the Lord, is likewise preordained. This measure of divine justice is determined not only by the number and quantity of the sins, but also by their quality and weight. Thus, it may have happened that in the souls favored by greater enlightenment and graces of heaven, the grievousness supplies what is wanting in the number of the sins, and that with fewer sins they are forsaken sooner, and chastised more severely than others with many more sins, nor can all expect for themselves the same issue as David two Kings twelve thirteen and Saint Peter, because not all of them have to their credit as many good actions to be remembered by the Lord. Besides the special privileges of some cannot be set up as a rule for all others, because according to the secret judgments of the Lord, not all are destined for a special office. By this explanation, my dearest, thou wilt be able to satisfy thy doubts, and thou wilt understand what a bitter evil so many souls incur, whom the Lord has redeemed by his blood, placed in the way of light, and drawn toward himself, and how some persons can fall from a more exalted state into more perverse obstinacy than others below them in station. This truth is well illustrated in the mystery of my son's passion, in which the priests, scribes, and the whole people— were much more indebted to their God than the heathen who knew not of the true religion. I desire that this truth, as exhibited by their example, convince thee of this terrible danger, and excite in thee holy fear. And with this fear, join humble thanks and an exalted esteem of the favors of the Lord. In the days of abundance, be not unmindful of the hour of want. Ecclesiastes 13.25 Ponder as well the one as the other within thyself, and remember that thou carriest thy treasure in a fragile vessel, which thou canst easily lose. 2 Corinthians four seven. Note well that the reception of such blessings argues not merit, and the possession of them is not due to thee in justice, but comes to thee by liberality and kindness. That the Most High has favored thee with so much familiar intercourse is no assurance that thou canst not fall, and no license to live carelessly and without reverence and fear. All things happen to thee according to the number and greatness of thy blessings, for the wrath of the serpent has increased toward thee in proportion, and is more alert against thee than against other souls. He has become aware that the Mosai has not been so liberally loving to men of so many generations as towards thee. And if thou meet so many blessings and mercies with ingratitude, thou shalt be most wretched and worthy of a rigorous punishment, against which thou canst make no objections. This concludes our reading today for day number 252. We have been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 19, paragraphs 618 to 623. The forgiveness that Our Lady offers is tremendous. As we heard in our reading today, she does not seek revenge, but rather pardon. In our life, when someone wrongs us, we probably want to see their downfall. Maybe in some small way we're able to contribute to it. But that's revenge. That's not the heart of Our Lady, and if we want to live more like Our Lady and be virtuous, well, then we seek pardon. It's difficult. Trust me, I know. But maybe the way in which we go about this is we begin asking, Lord, help me to forgive this person. I know you have forgiven them, and so now move my heart towards forgiveness. As we pray, hopefully we will begin to see our heart change, that God is acting and moving within us, and that we are able in some sense, to let go and to seek pardon for them and for us, for the ways in which we thought about them. The instruction of Our Lady was very interesting today as well. She says, "...thus failing to cooperate with God's grace, they hinder its effect. They lose the grace of holy fear of the Lord, which arouses and stimulates the will to obey the divine commandments." and to be alert in the avoidance of sin and pursuit of eternal life and the friendship of God. This is an evident danger for lukewarm priests who frequent the Holy Eucharist and other sacraments without fear and reverence. Also for the learned and wise, and it goes on. She's really talking about how sin begins to take root in our life, and as that sin makes its home in us, if we don't resist it, if we don't confess it, that then this complacency, this lukewarmness takes place, and then we don't avoid the sin. We kind of forget about pursuing eternal life, and then there's a danger, and this is especially for those who, as Jesus says, to whom much is given, much is expected. So the clergy, to whom much is given, much is expected. So they need, I need, to be on guard. I don't want these words of Our Lady to run true for me. And so I need to address that in my own life then, in my battle against sin. But the same is true for all of us. To whom much is given, much is expected. Well, we are following the Lord. We are trying to be holy people. And we need to focus then on the Lord. The Lord and heaven have to be the deciding factor of everything we do. Does this lead me closer to the kingdom of God? Or does this lead me further away from the kingdom of God? Let us seek to walk through the narrow gate and gain our eternal reward. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow.